The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. This is the 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. Well, you've been hearing about it on the news for weeks now. A national cannabis shortage has led to corporate battles for whatever pot is available. Here in Edmonton, city cannabis shops have been dealing with product shortages pretty much since legalization day, October 17th. Now, on that day, we spoke with Dan Rowland, who helped the city of Denver roll out legal pot in that city in 2014. He said there were big shortages there, too, but it all settled out in time. We learned on the job, so to speak, uh, quite a bit. Uh, There were supply shortages. Um, You know, we had many stores opening uh, very quickly uh, in the early days of 2014, and lots of retailers ran out, uh, couldn't keep up with the demand. The, the market, as you would expect, starts to settle uh, after, you know, after a time. Uh, the market grows as more access is provided through uh, additional retail. Uh, the sales numbers continue to grow and, and you see some equilibrium there. Well, to help deal with some of the cannabis supply challenges in the province, Alberta Gaming, Liquor and Cannabis has stepped up and made some changes with the details. We're joined by Heather Holman, the communications manager at AGLC. Hi, Heather. Hi. I have to ask, uh, you know, in the conversations we had leading up to October 17th, many people, including city councillors, said, well, listen, we'll roll this out. We'll figure it out afterwards because we don't know what the challenges were going Mm -hmm. to be. Uh, Was shortage one of the challenges you anticipated? I think... I I think when you think of the scope of from idea to fruition that cannabis legalization, recreational cannabis legalization um, came into effect, it was a very short time frame. And while I think we anticipated there may be some supply crunches, it wasn't quite maybe to the the level that we're (laughs) seeing right now and certainly across Canada, um, other jurisdictions are experiencing as well. So Heather, why are we so short of supply right now? So... And, and I'll speak for Alberta, but mm-hmm. um, essentially, um, I think producers are, are experiencing challenges in um, having the product available that um, they were they had committed to the jurisdictions. And you know, on, on one hand, we've got that. Sorry, I guess the idea that you know a plant will not grow overnight. Yeah. Um, from from our perspective, we're working with our licensed producers in Alberta. We have 15 federally licensed producers that. Um, AGLC has entered into contracts with to provide recreational cannabis um, to the retail stores and for the online store as well. Um, but, uh, you know, we're, we're not receiving the, the quantities that were agreed upon, and I think that's, you know, the trickle effect that's being felt across the country as well. All right, before we talk about what the AGLC has done to address the shortage, can you put a number on it for us? I mean, how short are we? So I don't, we don't actually have a, a tangible number. Um, we haven't uh, communicated the details of the contracts that we've signed. And, mm. and certainly, you know, out of respect for the relationships that we have with the licensed producers, you know, some have fulfilled their obligations with us, while others haven't. And, and I, I think speaking on behalf of the agency, it's, it's not a finger-pointing thing. It's like, okay, so we're all in this <laughs> together right now. How are we going to you know, provide for the market uh, and and make sure that consumers and retailers alike are, are getting what they need. 
So here's the thing, and I didn't mean it as a finger-pointing thing at all, but my background way back in the day when I graduated from university was to work for Algoma Steel. And I joined Algoma Steel at a time in which the demand for steel far exceeded the supply. It was just the nature of the economy at the time, and both in Canada and the world. And it's customary and quite um, common for producers of steel to put their customers on allocation. And nobody ever bats an eyelid at it. So basically, when the Canadian industry cannot supply the demand, all the mills, the, the major mills, Stelco, Tafasco, Algoma, go on allocation. So you put your order in or your request in by a certain date and time, and then the mill gets back to you and says what they're able to supply. So is, I mean, that just seems like a simple solution that you simply allocate. Is that what you're doing? So in Alberta, so we, we have a very uh, unique model. So. Uh, the retail cannabis model very much mirrors and reflects Alberta's um, liquor distribution model. So prior to 1993, Alberta had um, um, government-run and operated liquor stores. And then in 1993, it became private-run. And so now, you know, we, we grew from a few hundred prior to 1993 liquor stores. Now we've got, you know, approaching 2,000 province-wide, which creates more opportunities to bring in more products for Albertans. And... EGLC, as part of the development of the recreational cannabis model, followed that same premise. So we have um, we don't have government-operated stores. We have a government-operated online uh, cannabis store that is albertacannabis.org. It's the only legal online um, retail site that's available for Alberta consumers. And then we have the brick-and-mortar stores, the physical stores. EGLC is also the distributor in the same way that we distribute uh, liquor. So any alcohol products that come into Alberta, retailers order through um, agents and through us to get products into their stores. Very much the same. Uh, EGLC works with the licensed producers who are federally licensed, by the way. So Health Canada uh, licenses producers to sell product in Canada. Um, and, and I know that there's a number of uh, prospective licensee or federally licensed producers, rather, that uh, are in the queue to, to start providing for the Canadian market. Um, but retailers then order through AGLC. So, and I apologize, it, it probably sounds quite convoluted. There's, it's, you know... Well, well, no, but to dummy it down, basically a retailer goes online and orders what they would like, but it's first come, first serve. That's right. So that becomes an issue if a retailer, and this is an exaggeration, orders it all then that means nobody else gets any. That's right. So have and you so, changed that? Yes. So retailers order through AGLC. That's how they order their product for the store. Same way that the liquor model operates is the same for the recreational cannabis market. We had an online system that retailers were ordering from, but as we started to experience the effects of the supply challenges, we realized that there were concerns that um, depending on when we would receive stock, that's it. so it was a real-time system, as we would receive product from licensed producers as they had it available for us, we would update the website for the retailers, the retailers' website to order their product. And there were concerns that perhaps some may not be recognizing that product was available at a certain time, and by the time they would go online to order their product, it would be gone, or there would be a limited selection. So as of this past Monday, AGLC has reverted in support for the, the private retailers, a manual ordering system. So what will essentially happen is each Monday, effective this past Monday, retailers will receive an email from AGLC saying, um, 
you know, here's the, um, here's the current stock listings for the week. Orders must be received within a specific timeline. Once the orders are received and finalized, the retailers will receive their invoice. And once payment is received, the order will be shipped. And generally speaking, orders are delivered within seven to 10 business days. So are you talking about allocation then? You're talking mm-hmm. about we're going to look at all the demand and then we're going to decide how much to supply to each. Right. Well, it, and it's so there is a time window, and and I'm not quite privy to the selection process, but there is a, a time window that orders need to be received in. So, for example, if a retailer had their order in first and they wanted to obtain all the product, they they would not be authorized to do mm-hmm. so. Right. And so they'll wait for all the orders to come in and make sure that there's proper distribution. The, the very specifics of that, I'm I'm not privy to, but... I'd be curious to know that, how As that's divvied up, but yep. uh, I understand that uh, that's not in uh, in your wheelhouse. So do you think, Heather, are we going to get to the point where supply will meet demand, or is this going to be chronic? Do, or are we going to be dealing, this for quite, dealing with this for quite some time? I think that's the burning question. Yeah. And I, and I think that's, there's a golden answer out there that everybody wants, and we're not <sighs> too sure. But I think, you know, this is a new market. It's a new system, and it's it's um it's bound to have some hiccups and bumps along the way and i think some of them were anticipated obviously to different extents that we're starting to realize now um but i you know i think there is an end in sight and and certainly i Mm. think supply and demand will level out supply first needs to um you know be brought up to speed and then we need to find the balance between supply and demand because the supply issues aren't a result of you know, excessive sales as much as it is there's not enough product to go around. Mm-hmm. You know. But the sales have been pretty good too, so apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you looking at finding new suppliers? We are, absolutely. And um, our, our cannabis uh, business unit has been in touch with absolutely every licensed producer in Canada. Um, there's, oh gosh, I don't even know how many offhand. Uh, I, I, I think it's perhaps approaching a couple hundred Mm. and health Canada federally licenses all the producers. So as new licensees are are brought into the mix, we're, we're certainly reaching out to them proactively as well. Heather, I wanted to ask because there's some people speculating that some of these retailers used bots in order to use the online system and that there was those individuals who possess that sort of technology had an unfair advantage, sort of reminiscent of the stories about Ticketmaster and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Is the AGLC looking into whether or not that's true? And if they are looking into it, will there be any penalty or will there be any rules with regard to using bots if we return to an online system? So I think, you know, we've, we've heard that feedback as well and, and whether or not there's, um, you know, there, there's, there's truth to, to that assessment. Um, I mean, it's certainly something we making sure that there's a level playing field for all the retailers is is definitely important and making sure that all of the licensees feel supported um, is also very important as part of that we're now in this manual system for the unforeseen future and it's it's an interim solution it's not going to be a permanent solution but as we work through the supply challenges it's certainly gonna um, you know help um, pacify some of those issues I think you know there are are some perhaps takeaways that uh, that the team can look at in, in a little bit more detail in the coming weeks and months to make sure that that's not going to be a concern. Um, but as for right now, I, I, I think we just need to make sure that this system is going to be serving the retailers as best 
Busy days over at the AGLC yeah, and a pretty the, steep le- learning curve, I, I, well, I would as, have to say. As Heather. you would have anticipated yeah. it would be, right? I mean, yeah, it's a new exactly. product. Yeah. But Heather, I'm not sure, did you ever thought that you'd know this much about cannabis and cannabis supply <laughs> ever when you went into communications? Uh, <laughs> there you go. It's my new superpower. Yeah. Uh, there you go. I did want to ask you about this, if it's on your radar at all, and, and you know, possibly this is the, uh, you know, left to the politicians, but there was a new Angus Reid poll that suggested three quarters of Canadians believe the minimum age to purchase and consume cannabis should be raised to 21. Is there any conversation along those lines over there? I think that would be um, probably outside of AGLC's purview. That might be discussions maybe that the province would be having or maybe even on a, yeah. a, a federal level, but um, nothing that I've heard of as of yet. Because okay. that was a provincial decision, right? It, it was. was it, yeah. The province yeah. that set yeah. that to age. Yeah. But you would think if anybody knew that that was a conversation, it would be somebody at the AGLC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think the 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 minimum age is set federally, I believe, mm-hmm. potentially, uh, and then of course, you know, British Columbia minimum age is uh, nineteen. Here it's eighteen, and I know it varies through the provinces. Yeah. All right, Heather. We want to thank you for taking the time to join us this afternoon. It's course, Heather Holman, you. the communications manager at AGLC. Thanks so much. Thank you. Take care. Uh, all right. Take care. I look forward to talking to you again. And so, as Andrew mentioned, yeah, there's uh, there's talks out of this poll. So this recent poll an Angus Reid poll that said um, a number of you believe that, well, 27% say that 18 mm-hmm. is the right age for, um, uh, you know, purchasing and con- yep. consuming cannabis. 73% of you said it should be higher. One in five, so 21% believe that 19 would be more appropriate. 26 at 21, and 7% believe it should be even higher at 25. So, you know you know how I like to look at polls and see the, the possible flaw in the poll? I'll tell you what the possible flaw is, in my opinion, to this poll. So not everybody was in favor of legalization mm-hmm. of cannabis in the yeah, first yeah. place, right? So if you were to take how many ever people that they asked the question, what should be the legal age mm-hmm. for purchasing? But first ask this question, were you or are you in favor of legalized cannabis? Mm-hmm. And everyone who said no, remove them. And get them out of there. Right. Then just take the ones who think legalized cannabis is a good idea and now ask what age should it be legalized at. And having, I think it'll skew much different. Having said that, Chadville, as we go to break... Are you, are you okay with the 18? I mean, it matches up here in the province with uh, drinking alcohol, or do you think it should have been higher, hmm. let's say? Are you good with 18 or not? It doesn't really matter because it is 18, mm-hmm. but uh, I'd be interested to know at 6.30, 6.30. So it's 2.52 and some of your texts uh, coming in this afternoon. A new Angus Reid poll suggesting that three quarters of Canadians believe the minimum age to purchase and consume cannabis should be raised. We're not talking about doing it. It was just a survey. So don't worry about that. So we're just wondering, though, because in Alberta it is 18. So wondering, uh, what, a month in now? your thoughts on it. Nothing's going to change, but we were curious to know mm-hmm. in response to this survey. Dylan says, so people think it's okay for people to join the army before they can smoke or drink. That's stupid. <laughs> Weed should be 18. Drinking should be 21. Hmm. Amy says should be 21. Uh, this one, another one says uh, for your brain, 25. Uh, and this one says higher. That's what caused me to drop out of school. I was too high to go to class. Uh, Larry says 18 is fine. Liquor should be 21. 
<laughs> and uh, MC the OG says uh, you can vote, buy smokes, you can drink, you can be charged as an adult, and you can gamble. Why would we change the age where you can buy cannabis? Again, we're not talking about changing it. No. But I'm just wondering if you think 18 was the right Yeah, like uh, I said, uh, this conversation was uh, facilitated by yeah. an Angus Reid poll, which yeah. suggested that curious. three quarters of Canadians thought the age should be 21. But it's, you know, the, the horse has left the barn. I mean, let's, oh yeah, you know, it's it's not it's not changing now. Yeah, it's never going to change. Age but, limits and, yeah. and uh, age of consent never goes up; it only goes down. And what I have found, what I have found in the past month, is that, and we and we talked about this, Andrew, is that the stigma or some of the stigma for those maybe who were regular users or occasional users of uh, cannabis, recreational cannabis, um, seems to be going away. I am finding more and more people who are quite willing to just talk about, you know, the shop that they were at, what they bought, what it was, show you pictures, you know, I tried this, I tried that. Whereas before, um, and so, and and I'll say, you know, maybe in a workplace, mm-hmm. that that uh, was not something that was discussed as openly. Well, I said back at the time, before legalization, it's going to be interesting as to how much disclosure there is in the workplace afterwards. I know an announcers we did uh, touched on that topic as well. Yeah. And my opinion is, and I'm very old school, I suppose, my opinion is, I first of all, I don't care if you smoke cannabis or don't smoke cannabis, but I will say that... If you had been smoking all along mm. and now you're saying, um, okay, I, that's the case. Like, you know, hey, I, I always yeah. smoked cannabis. That's different than saying, well, now that it's legal, I'm going to try it. As a workplace, in a workplace environment, I can see where a manager would think, so you hid this from us. You did something illegal throughout your employment with us. You don't care. Another manager might. There's a difference between those two. And and I would say this as well. It's funny that that same study suggested that one in twenty and one in four, so twenty five percent of Canadians mm. have shopped for cannabis since legalization, but a much smaller percentage has actually bought it. So that at the very least, it's piqued curiosity. And I, oh, of course, yeah. I've not done it myself, but I guess people have gone online to see how you buy it at least. Yeah, I I went online to the yeah. to the uh, the Alberta cannabis.org site and um, had to go through the whole process. I wanted to see how it worked and I wanted to see, because I'd been hearing about the shortages and that, and so I wanted to, to check it out. It was quite the process. But you have to upload ID and all that sort of stuff on it. Um, again, I, <laughs> it's kind of Greek to me, to, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, but I was like, wow, there's a there's a lot of different things on here, and uh, friends of mine um, have talked about going to some of the different shops, and again, mm-hmm. some of them pretty empty, and a, and a couple of them still have some, some product, but talking about, you know, one in particular that they were saying, it was like just walking into a fancy boutique. It was, you know, just really fancy, and just it was not mm-hmm. what they expected uh, whatsoever. I haven't been to any of the shops, but I will because I'm curious just to go in and take a look around. Yeah, but you know what? It's funny for me. And I, it's again, like I do that with liquor stores. I'm I'll glad, go in there and yep. take a look around and may buy something, may not. I, I'm glad out. it got legalized. Uh, I'm hoping that it'll end up being at well, some point a revenue source to be pay down money, debt. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but for me, it's like, you know, I've not been to a concert in 10 years either. I have no interest in yeah. lining up and uh, standing in a crowd. I have no interest in lining up or, or going inside a 
a shop either. I, I you Well, know. I have no interest in lining up. Yeah. I mean, somewhere down the road, months down the road, when there's no lineup, I'm not standing in line mm-hmm. to go into it. Um, but I think that next wave, and we had talked about that, is when... Um, um, edibles become legal for purchase. I think that is going to be um, another big wave in this mm-hmm. this entire process, uh, especially for those who you know don't like the idea of inhaling something. They, you know, the thought yep. of ingesting is is much different than inhaling for many. Yeah, as I say, the biggest disappointment to uh, you know a guy like me so far is the fact that uh, legalization is costing us money. I mean, the the first argument that I latched onto was, oh, this will make us money? Well, you know, and again, hopefully that's what we're going to see down the road. If, you you know, you look at some of the states down in... uh in the states, mm-hmm. um, that 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 could happen. So well, then the fact that supply has been so screwed up off the top. But we knew like, that they've talked about that from the get go. They said guaranteed there is going to be a supply shortage, guaranteed. Hmm. Because the other real sales point was the fact that we're going to put the black market out of business. Yeah. Feel, I, I think I, it's made it more popular. I, I feel a little bad for these folks that have their stores open and yeah. have had to close the doors. They've licensed, because there's, they've done because everything. there's nothing to sell. I know. Right now. That's got to be frustrating uh, for them. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.